Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And you're about to get jumped. Welcome to episode 213 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, episodes 58 and 60, plus the first three episodes of Beyond the Boundary, wherein one, a big evil mist covers the town, and in the other, a big evil eye man devours everyone. Yeah, he's just gotta eat everybody. Imagine him being the one hungry hippo, and everybody around him is little teeny tiny balls of, I'm assuming, candy? Because I'm also assuming that hippopotamuses thrive exclusively on balls of candy that run around in the wild. But we need to take a serious note here, because the endangerment of the species of big, giant, wild balls of candy has come up as an important an important thing to pay attention to this world. Climate change has really affected the normal habitat of big, roaming, giant balls of candy. And we need to take a moment to remember that if you want to go and conserve big, giant balls of candy that roam around in the wild, you should join the conservancy of big giant balls of candy and send me $5 a piece because $5 can save one big giant ball of candy. Anyways, let's jump in. Truly, truly powerful stuff, Spencer. I mean, I I lean in in order to give everybody (laughs) what they want. Uh, you're so selfless. I know. That's I, what it is I, about you. Yeah, that's what it is. I, I, yeah. I truly have no sense of self. I don't even know who <laughs> I am most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I don't have a lot of news this week. Uh, other yeah, than I didn't find any news this week. <laughs> I have been watching the newest season of Rick and Morty because I finally found out that if you go to adultswim.com, you can just watch it for free. So, uh, oh. life hack everybody. Um, they have an app the app is okay, but it only makes you watch like two commercials in order to watch like a, a full episode, which I'm down with uh, as long Do as they you front know, load the commercials. They play one at the start and then like a two minute commercial in the very center of the episode, but that's it. Okay. That's so, not bad. It's, 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 sustainable i think as somebody uh-huh. who likes to watch no commercials it is it is worth it to enjoy rick and morty content so that's that's how i feel um yeah i i don't ever want to watch commercials but if i the thing that makes it okay for me is if i am therefore getting the content for free yeah so yeah. that's I, like the compromise my my yeah we we paid them with our time and you know needing a little bit of eye bleach afterwards, but you know, it is what it is. Well, and I know too, as we've discussed many times on, on this show, we are sort of aware of and generally in favor uh, of sort of, well, we're, we are aware of the challenges in getting paid for your art and generally in favor of people finding ways to get paid for the art. And obviously there's some sort of like unachievable paradise that we would love to see where people could just work and do the art they want to do and, uh, and, you know, get the support they need because what they're doing has intrinsic value, but that's not the world we live in. And uh, in that case, I'm willing to watch a few commercials in order to get the thing because alternatively I am not made of money and I cannot afford to have everything. Yeah. Hey Blake, can you tell me about this uh, thing that you made me watch? Oh yeah. Uh, so this was a suggestion from actually my, my friend that lives here, uh, a guy named Chris. Um, and this is a, a show called beyond the boundary. So beyond the boundary is oh, not, not my anime list. I'm going to pull up the Wikipedia here and give you guys a couple of bullet points. It is a Japanese light novel series. Um, the light novels were published. Oh, it looks like it's just three volumes of light novels from, uh, 2012 to 2013. And then there was an anime series in 2013. Actually, it looks like the anime series finished on the, the, I'm assuming the day that the third volume was published. So that's interesting. Um, and, uh, so, you know, it's 
oh God, 10 years old at this point. That's stupid. I don't like that. Um, but yeah, three, it looks like three light novels and 12 episodes plus a couple of OVAs. Um, and so what can I tell you about this? It, it, I, it's going to be hard for me to do a quick summary without sort of breaking into some of my thoughts, because one of the big things I noticed about this and specifically a thing that I didn't super love about this is that it sort of drops you into the story without an episode one. Yeah. Like episode one of an anime. In fact, often the first couple of episodes of anime are a lot of setup. Actually having just watched the uh, anime that we're going to be doing a review on for next week, it's all setup. And some of the setup is fun, but they're not really getting into the meat of anything yet. And that's pretty common for an anime. This one dispenses with all that. And there is a a brief, largely unexplained scene at the beginning in which a character seems to be about to do something pretty drastic. And then it kind of cuts to the intro. And after that, we're sort of off to the races with these characters that we don't really yet know and with circumstances that we don't really yet understand and uh so i found that a little bit confusing and honestly there were aspects of this that i did not understand until i went to the wikipedia article to learn more about this series and kind of where it came from yeah so anyway i didn't go to that wikipedia article so it was worth (laughs) yeah so there's a boy and he is some sort of demon or spiritual being or something like that i think he's a havesy so he's part human i want to say he is as far as we know immortal and he is i think a middle school student or so you know you know anime protagonist stuff and uh there are a couple of girls at his school that are part of some sort of organization that is mentioned by name but that wasn't really explained in the first couple of episodes that seems to be a sort of like monster hunting organization kind of probably if i if i had to make an educated guess I would say it's probably akin to the the Soul Reaper organization from Bleach. And they, you know, they do do a hunt on evil spirits that are up to no good and stop them where they stand. And uh, but that is made slightly more confusing by the fact that uh, one of the girls is like super standoffish, but has an obsession with like. A murderously attacking the guy that can't be killed as I guess a means of training to become stronger but she also has like a technique that she's trying to keep secret so she's like trying to become stronger and so that she can hunt these like spiritual beings but she also doesn't want to link up with like the the soul society equivalent and have like an official sanctioned hunting because she feels like her powers are too dangerous for you know common society or whatever so there's some pretty i I would say fairly standard anime stuff going on there and uh they basically oscillate between like sort of slice of life school uh like school day stuff and then monster hunting and um and, and so that kind of brings me to my reaction, which I don't think is going to surprise anybody that has heard me speak on any show ever. When I say the word slice of life, that's usually bad news. And I would say that that uh, theme continues here. Don't generally find sort of mundanities of school life with these characters to be interesting. And I didn't find it to be interesting here. On the flip side, the monster stuff and the fighting was great. And the... Uh, the animation quality is extremely high. Um, and, and so it's, it's absolutely beautiful to look at. And I enjoyed that a lot. And that really enhances the action scenes while also giving a, a you know, high, high quality polish to the boring slice of life stuff that I don't care for. Um, so from a production standpoint, I found this, very digestible and i thought that the uh the action stuff was really really well done 
but this is, I think we've seen a couple of shows now where it's like, man, if this really doubled down on the action stuff, this would be my jam. But the stuff that it's doing for like 12 of its 24 minute runtime are things that I find as boring as watching paint dry. And it really mars the whole experience for me in a way where I'm like, if I'm going to find myself watching this in the future, it is going to be staring at my phone for half of the episode until the good part happens and only paying attention to these action sequences because they're really well done. But the other stuff, I just cannot find myself interested in. (laughs) How about you, Spencer? Well, um, as, as, Nobody is going to be surprised. Uh, every time you put Slice of Life in front of me, I'm going to begin to tune out. Um, they tried to fool me at the very beginning of the first episode oh, yeah. by uh, giving you that kind of like, oh shit, it's going to be not what you expect. Please, oh please, just go straight into Bleach. Um, but instead, yep. what they gave you was... You know all of those pieces of Bleach that you just want to skip so you can get back to the monster hunting on the first season? It is yeah. it is none of the lean into the monster hunting, which is what Bleach did, and all of the leaning into the other stuff that you want to skip. And because of that, it is, it's just a big miss for me. I, I wasn't yeah. a fan of it. I, I, I felt myself actively thinking to myself, do I have to watch another episode of this? after the first one and usually when stuff like that happens that means that uh, it's 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 probably not going to be good news for me so yeah yeah um, it was a pretty big fail i I definitely had this sense when i was watching these i was like this is two different shows happening at once and i like one of them but the fact that i have to watch both of them means that i can't enjoy either of them yeah it's kind of a bummer but yeah I definitely think if you, so, okay. If you, who, who would like this? I think the person that doesn't mind a slice of life and also enjoys an action anime will actually find this to be particularly good. Uh, I do think it's good uh, from that standpoint, but if the slice of life for you is a total drag, like it is for us, it's probably going to be too much for you to overcome. Because that's yeah. how I felt. Yeah. And uh, sorry about that. I know that some people keep on trying to get us to watch more Slice of Life to find something interesting. And I'm going to throw it out there that if it's going to be a Slice of Life for me, it has to be way above the board good. I, I'm looking at, yeah. you know, the one I always go back to is sort of the gold standard for me is g- keep your hands off of Isaacin. Um, uh-huh. I, I could watch that show for days. And not be sick yeah. of it. Um, but that show is uh, astronomically charming in comparison to most of the Slice of Life stuff that I've watched so far. Yeah, I think you know it is worth pointing out that our distaste for Slice of Life is not 100%. But it's also worth noting that it's close to 100%. So it's like, you know, I mean, we're not the best people to judge it. And I think we do our due diligence to try and think about who would like this, but uh, you know, uh, definitely keep trying because again, there have been slice of life things that we've been able to enjoy, but uh, that's because the slice of life thing sort of falls fades into the background. I would argue. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Blake, tell me all about what's happened previously on uh, full metal alchemist brotherhood, because we got to talk about that. Oh, well uh, strap in because it's going to take me like 45 minutes. <laughs> so, okay. Um, Let's see. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so there's okay. Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood is a story of two brothers who are named Edward and Alphonse Elric. They, uh, pra- they are sort of prodigies of the magic system of this world, which is called alchemy, which is based on the ideas of alchemy from our world Um, Those ideas specifically being that you could transmute one substance into another substance and basically sort of change its structure at a molecular level to turn it uh, from what it is into a different thing. And the classic example is people trying to turn lead into gold. 
In this, of course, that has been taken to an anime extreme. So they're basically able to sort of reshape the world around them in sort of magical ways to, you know, create weapons out of thin air. Well, not thin air, but, you know, pull weapons out of the the world around them. Or, you know, I don't know, some people can like uh, turn water turn water into steam right away for a quick getaway stuff like that really really cool and inventive things for this magic system so uh the magic system has a couple of rules and the big one is this idea called equivalent exchange the point of that is that you cannot uh you can't do any of this alchemical magic without a trade basically something something of equal value has to be given in order for something to be obtained so usually this means that if I am pulling a, a sword out of the street, you know, that sword not only is going to be made of the cobblestones, but the cobblestones will sort of be sacrificed for that. Uh, but there are some bigger things that some people have tried to get into that are a little bit harder to quantify. The biggest of those is what costs, what value does a human soul have? Uh, alchemists don't have an answer to that. Except to say, don't try this. Do not try this at home. Do not try this at the office. Don't try this anywhere. Do not try to bring a person back from the dead. Uh, well, Ed and Al, as uh, child prodigies of this alchemical magic system, b- come to the impression that people are told not to bring humans back, not because it's impossible or because it has terrible, terrible consequences, but because it's hard. And they, being atypically good at this as children, are like, we can do it. So they set about to bring their mother back to life, who had died from a, from a disease that swept through their country. Um, in attempting to do this, they found out that this is not prohibited because it's hard to do, but because the cost is too high. Essentially, you know, the cost of a human life is beyond what you can give. So uh, instead of retrieving their mother from death, they accidentally open what's called the door of truth and basically have a sort of like glimpse into some sort of like almost uh, it's not another world. It's kind of otherworldly. It's like uh, the idea that there is like the the reason for all things is kind of like locked away somewhere and they accidentally unlock that door a little bit. Um, The cost of that is that um, Ed loses one of his limbs and Al's entire body is like consumed by this other plane of existence. Ed then sacrifices another limb in order to retrieve Al's lost soul and bond it in a blood seal to an otherwise disembodied suit of armor um, so now Ed, Ed has a prosthetic arm and a prosthetic leg, and Al is a spirit attached to a suit of armor, and they have set about on a quest to find a way to get their bodies back, which is kind of a big ask, because again, equivalent exchange, if you want to get your bodies back, you're probably going to have to give a body up, and since they are not villains, they need to find a workaround. The workaround they go for is called the Philosopher's Stone, which is a mythical object that is said to give you the ability to bypass the laws of equivalent exchange. So you can do all kinds of shit that you shouldn't be able to get away with otherwise in alchemy because the laws would stop you. Um, Unfortunately, after discovering that the Philosopher's Stone is not a myth and it is real, they also discover that it is made by sacrificing a bunch of people. So it's not so much getting around equivalent exchange as it is prepaying for equivalent exchange. And uh, again, they being the good guys don't want to do that. So they feel a little downcast that they're not going to be able to use the Philosopher's Stone to solve their problems. But their problems are bigger than all that because they discover that there is an evil cadre of shadow individuals working in the, uh, behind the scenes of the government of the country in which they live, which is called Amestris, that are trying to create a Philosopher's Stone by consuming all of the living people in the country of Amestris. And uh, Ed and Al don't care for that plan, so they want it to not happen. And they start trying to uh, work against the, um, I don't know, evil masterminds of this plot. And uh, 
the like leader of the country is one of these people. There's this group called homunculi. Uh, they're the homunculuses, I guess. And the, a homunculus is a human that was created using alchemy. So it's similar to pulling somebody back, but they weren't like, they weren't a soul that died. They're just created out of alchemy, whole cloth. And so they become these like semi immortal beings with philosopher stones inside of them to sustain them. And you have to like burn through all of the souls in the philosopher stone in order to kill them. And so our heroes have been fighting a lot of these people and it's been really terrible. They've all kind of coalesced into um, the, uh, capital city of the country of Amestris, which is called Central. And in Central, they have um, enacted a uh, a military coup against the government because, again, one of the leaders of the government is secretly one of these semi-immortal villains who is trying to kill everybody in the country in order to make a power stone. And uh, then um, Ed and Al get into a big fight in the underground trying to uh, stop some people from doing that. Uh, they're also, they've been noted as something called a sacrifice. So it seems like there are powerful alchemists that are being like almost set aside as a sacrifice, presumably for this uh, ritual to create the stone and they are fighting to stop it. And then at the end of the last episode, the ritual was begun. It seemed and Ed and Al and their previous teacher of alchemy, um, Izumi, were all sort of pulled from where they were standing. They, it seemed like they were dissolved by alchemical power, and we're going to sort of find out where they went today. Um, there's also a powerful alchemist in the military named Colonel Mustang who's going to be relevant here. Um, Ed and Al's father is a guy named Hohenheim who accidentally became immortal when he a long time ago, discovered about the homunculuses himself. One of those homunculuses, I guess the original homunculus, goes by the name of Father, and up until recently has looked like a clone of Hohenheim and is kind of the guy behind all of this. Um, Fuhrer King Bradley is the leader that is part immortal homunculus, and he's a very dangerous combatant. There's a guy named Ling who comes from a country across the way called Xing, who came here looking for immortality and as such made a deal with the devil to become a part homunculus himself, but he has allied with the heroes. There is a lot going on, and I've probably missed several important points or characters, but uh, at this point, I mean, you know, we're, we're in too deep, so let's pick it up. <laughs> Okay, so we are going to be talking about the first episode today of our coverage. And uh, I'm going to point it out here that this show is rapidly approaching the end. It is it is also um, getting more and more crazy as we go down the rabbit hole. Um, yeah. Mostly because the... Some of the some of the images that we are explaining inside of this episode, if you are joining in without complete knowledge of this, or if you listen to our episodes before watching it or something like that, just be aware that we're doing our best to try to explain what's <laughs> happening. But it's it's pretty fucking weird. So this episode yeah. fifty eight is called Sacrifices. Um, it starts out with a pretty straightforward one, which is uh, Ling, who is uh, being possessed because his body was offered up as the host of a, one of the homunculuses named Greed, is fighting against Fuhrer King Bradley, who is the homunculus of Wrath, and they are going back and forth at the top of uh, a wall that is being try uh, that that is being held by troops from a northern wall and they're trying to be breached by the troops that are normally guarding the city which are like the royal guard and army basically and being held by protagonists and trying to be breached by antagonists correct um well the the biggest the biggest thing that's happening here is that uh ling his his i would probably say maybe his closest or second closest bodyguard um sacrificed himself in order to try to uh knock king bradley down enough or try to kill him so that ling would be spared from this fight that was happening instead of that happening uh he just sacrifices himself to take king, fear king bradley down just a little bit so that he could slow him down enough to where he could fight him 
and uh, he's going to be able to land a blow and eventually throw Fear King Bradley um, and himself off of the side of this wall, barely being able to like catch himself before he falls all the way down off of this. And then his hand is caught in this final moment by one of his other protectors, which is named Fu. Um, and uh, she is going to try to pull him back up. Uh, King Bradley, though, is too heavy for her to pull both of them up. And so the only way that they are able to get him to fall off of this is that somebody shoots Fury King Bradley and he falls away down into the water below. He pulls him up and then there's a great moment of like real connection that happens between the character of Greed and Ling at the same time where Ling has like a full on fucking breakdown where he's just like somebody anyone, please help him. Let him not die. This is the country that I would expect to have something that could help us. Where is somebody that could help us? There is a philosopher stone inside of my body. Use it, please, to make him not die. It's just like this like very heartfelt and gut-wrenching reply that he has. It's, it's man, the show's well, very well written. Yeah, so he, he kind of like expels his um his power and in doing so he like unleashes kind of like a an energy wave that stops the the forces of central which are the military of the place being sieged but because they are wittingly or unwittingly working for the secret villains they are the antagonists he's able to stop them from storming the gate and so that basically leaves like they they've been defending this area and uh, they've been fighting King Bradley. And now King Bradley is no longer there to fight them and um, and they're no longer being sieged. And so they're able to kind of like take stock of what has happened. And at this point, we're going to lose some people. <laughs> yeah, um, by, by lose some people, it's um, because uh, they've already been taken. <laughs> Um, no, I assume, mean, uh, some people are going to die. <laughs> oh yeah. No, no, no. Uh, there's also going to be like a horrible bloodshed and then greed running down and just like murdering just, oh, so many people there. This is probably the most bloody episode that I've seen of the show so far. Um, yeah, probably greed, just running through people and slashing them to death. Also people just getting completely destroyed by the, uh, the mounted guns that are at the top before they run out yeah. of bullets and just start pulling out guns to shoot at them. God, it it gets crazy. I do think that that's, um, that's actually part of the magic of what makes this series so good, if you will, uh, which is one, I think the core concept of what makes this such a good series is that it takes very serious subjects very seriously. And, uh, this is a good example. Like this is, yeah, it's like bloody action, but it's also a war and they are fighting it. And it's like, this isn't just action for the sake of action, even though there is that, but like part of the reason this is happening is because they're fighting a war. And part of the point of this is like, war is terrible. (laughs) People die and they die in terrible ways. And here are some of them. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, can I, can I throw it out as well that uh, one of the things that we haven't seen inside of the show a lot, but we're going to see a lot of it here in a little bit um, is the, the full on extent of uh, the, the power level difference between a normal fucking person and homunculus um, because normally when we're seeing them fight, it's, it's like a, an alchemist, like a, a Edward Elric or um, Colonel Mustang or somebody like that going up against a homunculus. But it is, it is, it cannot be stated enough that like these homunculi, if they're released on just normal people inside of the world, like these soldiers, they just stand so little of a chance that it's like being crushed by like, you know, it's a hand crushing a fly. It's yeah. Greed is shown as barreling through people, stopping at nothing 
while just like cutting everybody down. It's kind of like if you're if you're in a Captain America movie and you're fighting Captain America and you are a normal person and you don't have a super suit or any kind of special abilities. You're just a guy, maybe you've got a knife or a gun. It isn't that you can't kill Captain America, but it is that Captain America is so skilled and he has superpowers. He's super strong, super fast, etc. Like you're at a disadvantage to win that fight. It is technically possible, but you're probably going to lose and lose hard. The difference being that if you manage to stab or shoot Captain America, he is not unnaturally hard to hurt, nor does he have a healing factor. Well, don't at me. He might have some sort of a healing factor at this point, but in the comics that I've read and in the MCU, he's not been shown to have a healing factor. So, um, but like, you know, the point that I'm getting at is that it would be like a normal person fighting Captain America, but even if you got a good hit on him, he could heal it. <laughs> like, all of your disadvantages are then eclipsed by the fact that whatever you know, blind luck you might have in striking out at him will be instantly undone by the fact that he will just shrug it off. And mm. it's that. Uh, also, Captain America does not want to kill you, and these people don't have any qualms. So that's another difference. It's not a great yeah. situation for the normies. Yep. Okay, so meanwhile, Ed, Izumi, and Al's lifeless body are, are appearing in front of them, uh, in front of uh, Hohenheim and the homunculus, who used to be the shape of Hohenheim. It, yeah, he is they no did longer not get the teleported. They didn't get consumed by or teleported to another dimension. They just got kind of zapped downstairs. So that's a little, a little bit less of a big deal than I thought it was when we left off last week. See, I don't know if that's 100% true, um, especially because one of the things that they had to travel through was this big giant like eye thing that is a representation of the door that is where alchemy's power comes from and now this room has basically become that space so are you interpreting them as like part of the ritual was turning the deep deep basement where father was hiding into a kind of like way station for the other worlds yes and now they're in that okay i i can yeah. see that that makes sense yeah. to me yeah, which is one of the reasons that, like, the world looks so weird. And here's my first explanation of what this homunculus has turned into. Um, it is, uh, in no, not trying to be funny, but, like, he does just kind of like look like uh, a uh, a chubby shadow man with a bunch of he eyes and mouths on now. him. And yeah. also, well, he just has Hohenheim just kind of sticking out of him. <laughs> and, like, yeah. Um, you know, he just looks it a is, little ridiculous. It is ridiculous, but it, I think it's effective. I think almost that it's partly effective because of the ridiculousness where he's just like, yeah, this guy's sticking out of me. That's how little I care. Like, that's how beaten he is, is that I don't even have to like fully consume him. He's just stuck there because what the fuck else can he do? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. so I think there's some subtext to this design that works, but when you first see it, you're like, this guy turned from possible anime villain kind of like suave man into um, potato chip eyes all over your costume. <laughs> yeah. So here's what also is happening at the same time. Um, they need a another person to be the... Um, another person that has opened the door, it turns out. Um, and by opening the door, we mean human transmutation. And yeah. the, the person they have decided that is being created into this is going to be Mustang. And it's because he knows alchemy and um, they have something of a trump card to play on him, which is that uh, he is, you know, very much, very much tied to his lieutenant and his lieutenant Hawkeye is going to be cut brutally across the side of the neck and she is going to begin to bleed out. And he's like, if you don't save her, she is going to die and it's going to be for nothing inside of this. You need to do human transmutation. 
And Mustang is finally sort of broken enough to where he's just like, okay, I'll do this. Um, but that is right before the break-in moment in episode 59, Lost Light, where Mustang um, is no longer has to do this because um, May is arriving with uh, two of the Chimeras and is going to um, stop uh, uh, Hawkeye from bleeding out. Um, but the other problem that happens after this is that after being thrown off the side of the fucking wall, um, uh, Fear King Bradley was just like, okay, well, I'm going to swim up and I'm going to find my next fight, which is going inside of here and just like pinning fucking everybody uh, around down and also summoning in another fucking homunculus. Oh, who could it possibly be? But our little shadow boyfriend, um, that has decided to come down and Little just shadow boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, he's just going to pin everybody down and, uh, force Mustang by being around the transmutation circle to use the transmutation circle to, uh, turn Goldie McGoldtooth, uh, into yeah, <laughs> a ball of death. It's he's There's... horrible to look at. Yeah, there's an evil scientist uh, who is literally, even on like episode summaries, he's just referred to as Goldtooth. I'm not confident that he's ever given a name. <laughs> I can't yeah. find it. <laughs> I didn't go looking, but it's not listed anywhere prominent, even though he is a major character in these recent episodes. And uh, yeah, he is, I, did, I think I interpreted this correctly. He is killed by May. Uh, or by the one of the chimeras that came to rescue Mustang along with May, because he's he is trying to force Mustang to do the human transmutation, and then May uh, he's holding he's holding Hawkeye hostage and threatening her life. One of the chimeras grabs him and kills him in order to rescue Mustang and Hawkeye, while May is healing her and and preventing her from dying, but. Because there's a corpse now, there is someone to transmute. And they so it's sort of like they solved the problem while accidentally forcing it to happen anyway, which is just mm. such like delicious, horrible irony, I think. Yeah. Um, it's, so it's really good storytelling. Um, yeah. And uh, after he does this force transmutation, Mustang is then going to disappear and reappear with Ed and Al and also um, his, his teacher. Um, and he is going to have paid a price for being forced to do this. And that is yeah. his, his vision has been taken from him. Yeah. Just in the same way that Ed, Ed lost, uh, I can't remember. I think he loses his leg initially. I think the leg is the price he pays for the the door opening, and then the arm is to get Al back. But either way, uh, Ed lost a limb, and uh, Izumi lost uh, part of her insides. And, uh, of course, Al lost his entire body. So, yeah, everybody pays a price for this. And Mustang, even though he, he didn't really, like, I'm not a hundred percent sure of the mechanics of this, of how they were able to like enact alchemy, but make him be the one doing it. Uh, but mm-hmm. however they figured that out, they did it. And so he's the one that has to pay the price by, uh, as far as I can tell, he becomes completely blind. Yeah. He has this vision taken from him. It's really fucked up. Um, but it's just what happens. Um, yeah. and, uh, the last person to actually arrive is going to be Alphonse because Alphonse has been waiting with his self, his actual body on the other side. And he is having to make a decision to whether he is going to reconnect with his body on the other side and stay there or bring it ba- possibly bringing it back or go back and help his brother and his friends in the real world and uh, leave himself, his body behind. And it's, 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 it's a great moment where he makes the decision where he's just like, I can't leave them alone. I have to do this now, but I'll come back for you. Like talking to himself, telling him that it's more important that he be there now in order to try to deal with this um, larger issue than dealing with, saving himself at this time moment yeah specifically it's not that he could like he's 
he is going to end up where they are regardless. The problem isn't that if he gets his body back, he gets spared of going to, you know, the spooky basement. Uh, but the problem is that his body, it's wasting away. He, it's obviously not working on like the same rules as it would be if they were, you know, if he were alive and not eating, he would have already died of starvation like years ago because it has been years since his body was like this. But at, at some decelerated rate, his body is wasting away because it is a physical human body that is missing its soul and is not being fed any nutrients. And he's just sort of like languishing and he is skin and bones. And Alphonse is just like, we're, we're in the middle of the fight and if I take my body back, then I will be completely dead weight. And he just understands that like the things are too serious for that. And it's honestly, it's this huge moment because it's like, this is what they've been doing. And obviously there like other stuff has come up. This evil plot is a big deal and they care about it a lot. But at the end of the day, you know, this person has lost his body. He hasn't had a body for years, and it has caused him no small amount of distress and sort of identity crises. And like, it, it is just, it is the problem that keeps on giving, and they are desperate to solve it. And he is staring down the barrel of the solution, and he is forced to turn away from it. And it's just this like huge sort of tragic sacrifice that he makes. And he does say as he leaves and sort of like brushes past his body to go through the gateway and finish the transportation that started. He's like, I will come back for you. But like I, as a viewer who doesn't know what happens, I have no idea if that's going to be possible. And it's like, he, I think he, as a character has to be aware of the fact that this might be his last chance and he's giving up on it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really messed up. Yeah. Okay. So, that takes us into our final episode of coverage for this week, uh Eye of Heaven, Gateway of Earth. Okay. So, that sounds like a Yu-Gi-Oh card. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. Um so they are going to um be reintroduced to their friends who are going to fall through the fucking ceiling. Um, you know, that thing I talked about them being in like this way station. The problem with it is that this way station is also accessible just, you know, through the ceiling apparently. And, uh, may and, uh, pride are going to fall down there with father. Um, see, this is why I don't think that they're in the other dimension. I think maybe they've summoned other dimensional energies, but I think they're still downstairs. (laughs) Yes, but also they have activated the transmutation circle and the eye has already appeared in the city. Um, One of the things that you've seen when the previous time when they created the transmutation circle is that this gateway opens around the city and then absorbs all of the souls that are there, turning them into a philosopher's stone. So, I mean, like, yes, but no, but yes, but no. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think they've summoned other dimensional energies but they're still in the city and now and now essentially you've got they need they keep saying they need five sacrifices and specifically the reason they forced Mustang to do the um human transmutation is because doing the human transmutation opens the gateway of truth and it seems like the sacrifices have to be people who have seen past the gateway of truth. Now, this was not the case, as far as I can tell, in the past when previous um, Philosopher's Stones were made. Uh, but I think that's because they're going bigger this time. Uh, th- this do- this definitely seems to be similar but bigger than previous instances of them doing that. And so I think they're just sort of pushing the stakes. And so they, they need more valuable souls, I'm assuming, to make this this big stone. And so they've, they've summoned Ed, they've summoned Al, they forced Mustang to become one. They've got Izumi. And then the uh, last one is uh, Hohenheim himself, I believe. And so then, yeah, they, they 
enact this horrible thing, even though May May shows up. I guess that that does happen. So like May shows up and um she starts to fight with father and it's it doesn't go as well as I kind of hoped because there was this one time a while ago that father shut down alchemy but he wasn't able to shut down alka history which is a very similar but uh distinct type of magic system that may uses and I was like oh this is a trump card and uh, it seems like even though he didn't shut down her powers, he was just strong enough to withstand her assault. So it sort of didn't work. And then uh, we also there's a cutaway and it's not explained in this episode uh, where uh, the Ishvalans, which is a, a people that were slaughtered in a very fucked up military action by this country and that our heroes have since discovered was sort of manipulation by the villains to create a blood sacrifice in, as a means of the ritual that they're now enacting. So the Ishvalans show up and they utilize Alkahestri to create different transmutation circles throughout Amestris. And I'm sure that's going to be important later. <laughs> so that's why I'm bringing it up, but I have no idea why or what the effect of this is because after that, everything goes to shit. <laughs> yep. And it finally ends up with there being like a, like a pretty sweet back and forth where they think that they're finally getting traction. And then uh father is finally just going to be like, okay, we're at the Zenith of this eclipse that I've been waiting on. So we're going to open the gate. And when he opens the gate, the transmutation circle absorbs everybody in a mistress that we see. Yeah. Um, and it father, sucks. You see a lot of beloved characters. Yep. Just die. Yep. Um, they get absorbed into a giant mass that is um, going to become the shape of father and this like, huge giant gateway thing that he has become and uh the entrance to heaven and the eye of god are going to be the things that are appearing in front of you um it is a truly crazy thing that happens on the show it is very very hard to explain it well without actually watching it one of the things that this show does very well is that it uses um, human features to uh, to explain and show things that are beyond recognition in ways that are really horrific, but also really interesting because of the stylistic choice that it is to keep them like um when characters are being destroyed by the gate um like their their arms are being taken their arms start their body starts to like unfold but one of the ways that their body is unfolding is like these little hands that are made of pure shadow that are going to pull at them and like pulling the threads of a doll and then pulling it away um this one kind of reminded me of there's a there's a thing on Reddit that's called oddly terrifying. If you've never looked it up, it's a really weird subreddit. Um, But one of the things that my friend sent me to, because he was like, he was talking about uh, Lovecraftian horrors and he was like, these are biblically accurate drawings done of angels as they're explained in the old Testament. And they're crazy and horrific looking. Like there's this one that's just like, wings made of hands and a giant bulging eye. And I was just like this, this, this is like, what's so horrifying about it? Because one of the things that makes it so connect, you can connect to it is that it is something that you are so, you know, intrinsically um, willing to look at because it is a human feature. It is something that you can connect with, but at the same time, because it is a grotesque version of those kind of things, it is innately more unsettling. And it's, it's like, it's like that in this show, like it's one of my of the favorite uncanny Valley it's taking, Oh yeah. It's taking familiarity and twisting it just beyond comfort, which creates a feeling of extreme discomfort yeah. with humans. Yeah. And it's, it's fucking upsetting, but also 
beautifully done. Um, and this show is going to give you that and then leave you hanging until we come back to it next week. Yeah. Um, so that's it. Uh, stick with us <laughs> after these credits and we'll talk about what's coming on next week. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions and presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level 15 sound wizard. Fireball! 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 Ad-free versions of our podcast are available on Patreon, along with extra Patreon-only goodies, like additional conversations and articles written by the hosts. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash Get Jumped. We also have a Discord server, and you can find links to that on our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New episodes come out every week. Thanks for listening. Hello, my name is Jeremy Snow, and I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of The Geekly Grind, a geek-centric website that covers all manners of topics from video games and anime to tabletop games, board games, comics, and more. If you're looking for a website to add to your daily rotation for some of the latest news, reviews, and overall takes on where geek culture is headed, make sure to bookmark thegeeklygrind.com and pay us a visit. I also wanted to thank you uh, for being a faithful listener to this podcast. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is a vital member of our podcast family which also includes Knights of the World Table, which is a D&D audio drama podcast, The Ink and Paint Club, an animation podcast, Comic Book Keepers, which is a comic book podcast, and Geek Exploration, the podcast which is on general geek culture. We also have the Geekly Grind podcast, which provides audio renditions of our published articles, special guests, and more. Make sure to seek those out and listen to them wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again. Next time on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we're watching Mob Psycho 100 Part 2, Episodes 12 and 13. Where you better not take their track suits without asking. Because I swear <sighs> to God, man, if you take their tra- track suits without asking, they're going to appear behind you and make you work out in a way that you are not expecting and not ready for today. One of the people that we're with is completely passed out. His body is to the point where he has to be hovered there. We can't do push-ups right now. Well, not with that attitude. Not with that attitude.